Hey everyone, it's Jeannie, Pistol Packin' Mountain Mama Health Nut. How's everyone today? How's the pod doggies out there? I'm so excited for today's show. I'm recording it on our ranch in the beautiful Rocky Mountains of East Idaho. And my podcast has two segments. The first one I call All Things Health. And today I want to talk about another artificial sweetener that's not so well known, but it's been around for a long time. And it's called Asulfame Potassium. But don't let the name fool you. And the second segment I call Mountain Adventures. I share true stories about living off-grid in the mountains. And today, I'm going to tell a story about how my family had to evacuate our ranch because of a wildland fire. And it gets a little intense, so hang on. But first, please hit the follow button so you don't miss an episode. And make sure to share this with someone you think might benefit. Before I get started, I want to talk about a sponsor for my podcast called 3 International. It's a phenomenal proactive wellness company that has high-quality nutritional supplements. My favorite product, and right now we have six, is called Vitalite, and it's a vitamin-mineral supplement that comes from Whole Foods. Nothing in it is synthetic. It's all natural. But you get more than just vitamins and minerals. In just four small capsules and one soft gel, besides the vitamins, you also get fruits, greens, digestive enzymes, probiotics, omega-3s, and 72 trace minerals. I personally love this product, and I feel confident that my body is getting all of the nutrients it needs. Each product is listed in the physician's desk reference, and you can look that up at www.pdr.net. And check out my website, genieolson.iii.earth, for more information. And both websites are listed in the show notes below. Okay, acylfame potassium. This artificial sweetener is new to me, but apparently it's not new, because it's been around for a while. It's also known as ACE-K or Acylfame-K. As I've researched information for other episodes, it keeps showing up in products. And I'm going to tell you right from the start that you should just throw it out of your diet. But why? And can you? Because it seems to be hidden, but not hidden, in products that have 10 or more ingredients in them. It seems hidden because it's usually combined with other artificial sweeteners. It's actually in over 4,000 different foods and beverages, sold in over 90 countries. So it's a synthetic calorie-free sugar substitute marketed under the trade name Sunnet and Sweet One. And it, like other artificial sweeteners, was discovered accidentally in 1967 by a German chemist in a lab. Of course, the FDA says it's safe to consume and was approved for use in the United States in 1988 and then again in 2003. In fact, leading global health authorities around the world say it's safe. So I say it's probably not. But let's look further into what it is. So it's a chemical, and it's made in a lab by combining acetoacetic acid and potassium, which forms a highly stable crystalline white powder sweetener. The K, in the shortened name ACE-K, is a chemical element for potassium, but there isn't much in it. It closely resembles the artificial sweetener saccharin, and saccharin has been widely criticized for years, and it's in the pink packets. My question is, why do we have to have so many foods and beverages that are made with chemicals? And then we wonder why there is a higher rate of cancer, and especially in the United States. The company Sunnet, which manufactures ACE-K, and if you look at the word manufacture, if you break it down, it's man-u-factures, which equals man-made. And it's in food and beverages like soft drinks, protein shakes, drink mixes, and it's also found in personal care and cosmetics, 
oral care products like toothpaste and mouthwash, lip care products like lip balm, frozen desserts, baked goods, candy and gum, and it helps mask the bitter taste in pharmaceuticals, just another way that pharmaceutical companies are killing us. Now why is it used? Well, because it has a good shelf life and is very stable with normal preparation and processing of foods. It's heat resistant, making it suitable for cooking and baking. It's 200 times more sweeter than sugar. On its own, it has a slightly bitter aftertaste. Of course it does, it's a chemical. And that's why it's often blended with other sweeteners like sucralose. So from what I can tell, the main reason is because it has a good shelf life. You know, that's so much more important than people's health, don't you think? (laughs) But I'm being sarcastic. Why do we have to have products with a good shelf life? I think that's a fair question. You know, there's so much fresh produce available in the United States. Why is it that we need products that will last several years on the shelf? Is it because as a society we are busier than ever? That we don't take the time or don't want to take the time to prepare a healthier meal? And I'll admit when my kids were younger... I just wanted something quick to cook for them and have it something that they liked. And it may have been also out of sheer exhaustion from raising them or I was conditioned somehow to take the focus off of eating together as a family, even though growing up we ate together as a family for every meal. I think the convenience of fast food changed all of that. So what are the health risks of consuming acylfame potassium? Well, there is an article in Science Direct from Culinary Nutrition in 2013 says that studies have been done over the years that show learning and memory may be impaired. Other studies from the same article state that ACE-K is not metabolized and can be found in the urine, so basically it just goes right through your body. It's been found in breast milk of lactating women, and it's hard on the thyroid and may cause cancer. Research has also linked ACE-K with damage to the gut microbiome, leading to glucose intolerance, which can lead to diabetes, inflammation, and Crohn's disease. Other problems that may occur are headaches, dizziness, hormone disruption, weight gain, and a craving for even more sweets. The whole idea of consuming sugar-free items, other than for blood sugar problems, is to lose weight, and yet studies show you can actually gain weight. When I was in college in 1985, I was diagnosed with hypoglycemia, and I was told to completely cut out sugar. If you haven't listened to my episode titled, I Had to Give Up Sugar, I encourage you to give it a listen, because it wasn't easy, and I started looking for ways to curb my sweet tooth. At that time, I didn't have a lot of choices, especially when it came to diet sodas. If I remember right, Diet Coke and Diet Pepsi was available, but not much else, and then I found Diet Squirt. Finally, something more fun to drink. And it was exciting for me to see more and more sugar-free products become available. I would make my daily run to the 7-Eleven convenience store to buy a Big Gulp, 32 ounces of pure joy. (laughs) My 1969 Ford Maverick didn't have pop holders like every car does today, so I would set the cup of pop on the floor of my Maverick on the right side, you know, while I put on my seatbelt and Then I would promptly tip it over and completely fill the floor with pop. Oh my gosh. But at least it was sugar-free, so it wasn't so sticky. But I still had a huge mess to clean up. But that didn't stop me from buying another one. I was, of course, clueless about the health risks. Well, there is a study done by the Women's Health Initiative 
that followed 59,614 women over 8.7 years, and they found that participants who drank two or more zero-sugar drinks had a 30% higher risk of cardiovascular events and a 34% higher risk for metabolic syndrome. That doesn't seem like a lot, but over time it adds up. Well, my takeaway is this. If something has to be made in a lab, you shouldn't consume it. That's number one. And secondly, I do think more studies need to be done on ACE-K and all other artificial sweeteners. If findings now are showing health concerns, I feel more studies will show even more adverse effects. And we all need to be mindful of what we're putting in our bodies. The best advice is to shop the outer aisles in the grocery stores where you find most of the fresh produce and meat and dairy products and then leave the inside aisles alone if possible. It's not always easy, but it just takes a little bit more planning on your part. And I always say everything in moderation, and then of course, you know, do your own research. This is just my, my research and my opinion. But I do hope that you found this article helpful. Okay, now, stay tuned for a true story of a horrible fire and why we had to evacuate. So now on to... Mountain Adventures. It was a very dry, hot August day when the Enbaro Ranch had to evacuate. Why? A wildfire. Henry's Creek Fire. It was a small 81-acre fire that started August 21, 2016 and was thought to be contained and out. But it was left unwashed, and then it reignited and ended up burning more than 52,000 acres. Somehow there was a miscommunication between the firefighting agencies, which included the BLM and other fire departments. It was actually caused by an East Idaho man who was shooting off illegal fireworks, bottle rockets, and the fire ended up costing $4.3 million, and the man who started it was ordered to pay $1.7 million, and spend 180 days in jail, with most of those days suspended. And I'm wondering if he actually had to pay or could pay the the million dollars. The dry fuel, which was long grass, trees, and shrubs, burned so hot that embers and sparks were jumping miles ahead of the fire. This fire even jumped the Ryrie Reservoir. And that should have been a red flag for us, but it wasn't. Because Ryrie Reservoir is only about 10 miles from our ranch. Maybe we were clueless because we thought the fire wouldn't ever reach us because it was headed towards a reservoir. Who knew that it would jump it? And I was definitely clueless because I had just had shoulder surgery and was heavily medicated. It seems like I'm always medicated when disaster strikes. I thought it was odd when I got a text from our niece Chantel that evening asking us if we were going to be okay and if we needed anything. Needed anything for what? You know, I didn't know what was going on. So, of course, I got on Facebook, and I seen that people were being evacuated from their homes and were going to the church in Ryrie for safety. I still wasn't too worried, since these families were at least 12 miles away from us. You know, I was worried about them, though. So I did take some precautions, and I gathered a few important items, like some money, photos, important papers, and I put them in our car in case we had to leave. It still didn't bother us too bad, though, because the next morning, my husband Nick went to the small town of Ryrie, which is about 15 miles away, to do a few things, and I was sacked out in the recliner resting my shoulder, 
no makeup on, and I had one of Nick's shirts on so I could get my arm in and out without hurting my shoulder. So let's just say I wasn't expecting company. And then came the first knock on the door, and that was my brother-in-law, Dean. He'd stopped in to check on us, and he decided to take the four-wheeler and drive up the dugway behind our house to see if he could see the fire. And I really didn't think he would see much, so I laid back down in the chair and dozed off. Well, then came the second knock on the door. This time it was a deputy sheriff. I was still clueless at this point, and I must have looked like I was clueless. Hey, I was drugged, okay? (laughs) Because he asked me to step outside and take a look. So I did, and I was shocked. A huge, billowing column of smoke was hanging over our property. And the deputy told me, you don't have to, but we recommend you evacuate. Wait, what? So I told him, well, okay, we'll do it then. So after he left, I called Nick, and he said he would head my way, but he didn't sound too alarmed. But that's his nature. He doesn't panic when in a stressful situation, and for that I am very thankful. But for my brother-in-law, Dean, no, he panicked because he came flying into the yard on the four-wheeler and ran up to the house, and he told me, I think you guys need to get your stuff out. I told him the deputy had just been here, and so I agreed with him. You know, we had hay and barley crops, lots of trees and timber, pastures, fences, our home and corrals that once on fire would spread rapidly, and we could lose everything. So the decision was made to leave. Dean made a few calls, and then I called my daughter Katie and son Jason and daughter-in-law Megan and asked them to come help pack up. And then Nick had called our son Ryan to come help. Little did I know that within 30 minutes, I had two enclosed trailers in my yard along with horse trailers, four-wheelers, and about 30 people. And in my house alone, I had 20 people. Family, neighbors, friends, and even one guy I didn't even know. He just showed up to help. Everyone was asking me what I wanted taken out of the house. I could barely think, and I would just tell them, well, just load it up. I felt bad because I couldn't lift anything, but no one seemed to mind and I was overwhelmed with all of the help. Most of all my furniture and household items were carried out and put in the trailers within 30 to 40 minutes. Not a second was wasted by anyone. Everyone worked hard and worked together. The whole time my house was being emptied, my phone was ringing off the hook with concerned people and offers to let us stay in their home if needed. Outside, four-wheelers were being unloaded to help round up the cows. I was never so glad to see Nick walk in the house and check on me. He asked me if I was okay, and if I was okay getting everything out of the house, and I told him I was. So he left and took Ryan and Jason, and I'm not sure who else, and they headed out onto the ranch to find all of the cows and our horse mystery. It took a while because they were scattered everywhere, but once they got them all together, they were put into a pasture that was close to the house, and the plan was, if the fire got close to them, then Nick would open the gate and let them out and let them run because there was no way or time to haul all of them to safety. Several of our neighbors came with tractors and discs and went around our pastures and crop fields to try and make some kind of fire line. But with the embers and the ash flying miles ahead of the fire, that seemed like a waste of time. But we were really grateful for their concern and willingness to help, and also because their property was next to ours, and so they didn't want theirs burnt, and we didn't want it to get burnt either. After everything was loaded and the cows were rounded up, it was just watch and wait. 
Huge pieces of ash were coming down, and the air was completely filled with smoke. You could hardly see. And everyone was on standby to drive vehicles, tractors, and equipment out if needed. A family member brought food and water up for everyone. The coolest part about that was that when he went to the local grocery store called Brolum's to get the food, once they learned what the food was for, they donated it all for free. How awesome is that? Well, he must have had a lot of prayers lifted up for us that day, because after about four hours, the wind shifted and the fire moved away from us. And we later learned that the fire had come within a mile from our property line. When evening came, we had more offers of places to stay. And trust me, I am forever grateful for those offers. But we decided to stay on our property in case the winds changed and the fire started to come back. After everyone left, we realized we had no furniture and no bed. <laughs> so that night, we laid quilts on the floor to sleep on. There was Nick and I and our daughter Katie. We had two large quilts to cover us. I slept in the middle of both of them, and when I woke up in the middle of the night, Nick had one quilt, and Katie had the other, and I had nothing. <laughs> the highly medicated invalid with the hurt shoulder, yeah, her, well, she froze. <laughs> that was me, so I got up and kept checking the night sky for a glow, for anything that would tell me if the fire was coming back our way. Hey, someone had to watch out for our safety. Lord knows those two weren't. They were nice and toasty sawing logs. Well, thank you, Jesus, that the fire didn't come back our way and our home and property was left undamaged. But some of our neighbors were not so lucky, and they lost valuable pasture, fences, and cattle. The Henry's Creek Fire was finally extinguished on August 31, 2016, ten days after it initially started. It was heartwarming and so amazing to see communities come together and help each other. And ours is just one of many stories but many lives and homes were saved because people put religious differences and dislikes for each other aside and came together as one, and I will never forget it. Because our ranch is located in what's called no man's land, we have no fire district, so basically a fire agency can't help us. The BLM can if the fire is on our leased state ground. So after this devastating huge fire, a volunteer rural wildland Fire Protection Agency was formed called Henry's Creek RFPA, and Nick and I are charter members and now are trained wildland firefighters, and our training has been put to use several times in the last years. Hey, never a dull moment at the Enbarro Ranch. Okay, remember this. When you've done everything you can do, that's when God will step in and do what you can't. He loves you. Get to know Him. He can change your life, I promise. See you next time.